भागवतम की शीला प्रभुपाद की जय निताय गोर प्रेमानंदे ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय 
ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा टुडे वी आर रीडिंग फ्रॉम कैंटो सेवन चैप्टर टू चैप्टर टू इज एंटाइटल हिरण्य कशिपू द किंग ऑफ द डीमेंस टुडे वी आर ऑन टेक्स्ट फिफ्टी लुब्धको विपिने कश्चिद लुब्धको विपिने कश्चिद पक्षीनाम निर्मितोंतक पक्षीनाम निर्मितोंतक वितत्यजालम विदधे वितत्यजालम विदधे तत्र तत्र प्रलोभयान तत्र तत्र प्रलोभयान लुब्धको विपिने कश्चिद पक्षीनाम निर्मितोंतक वितत्यजालम विदधे तत्र तत्र प्रलोभयान लुब्धको विपिने कश्चिद पक्षीनाम निर्मितोंतक वितत्यजालम विदधे तत्र तत्र प्रलोभयान वैष्णवीस
लुब्धकह हंटर विपिने इन द फॉरेस्ट कश्चित सम पक्षीनाम ऑफ बर्ड्स निर्मित अपॉइंटेड अंतकह किलर वितत्य स्प्रेडिंग जालम अनेट विदधे कैप्चर्ड तत्र तत्र यर एंड देर प्रलोभयम लियोरिंग विथ फूड ट्रांसलेशन एंड परपोर्ट बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस शीला प्रभुपाद देर वॉज वंस अ हंटर हु लियोर बर्ड्स विथ फूड एंड कैप्चर देम आफ्टर स्प्रेडिंग अ नेट ही लिव्ड एज इफ अपॉइंटेड बाय डेथ पर्सोनिफाइड एज द किलर ऑफ द बर्ड्स देर इज ओनली अ वन लाइन परपोर्ट दिस इज अनदर इंसिडेंट फ्रॉम द हिस्ट्रीज um so we let the speaker from tomorrow continue this pastime we'll speak a little bit about the pastime and also this it's ishwara puri's disappearance day so we'll spend some time of the class glorifying ishwara puri who was the spiritual master of chaitanya mahaprabhu om agyanati mirandhasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmay shri gurave namaha shri chaitanya manobhishtam स्थातूतले स्वयं कदाम ददाती स्वदाकम कौतिवाचा पंगु लंगयते गिरी यहां वंदे श्रीगुरूदीनताम वाछाकूभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतिता पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंदीयदाधर श्रीवासादी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे सो वी आर सीइंग दैट हिरण्य कशिप हु इज एट द मोमेंट स्पीकिंग टू द डेड हिज ब्रदर हिरण्य अक्षय इज डेड एंड ही इज स्पीकिंग टू द रिलेटिव सो ही इज स्पीकिंग टू द वाइफ ऑफ हिरण्य अक्षय एंड ही इज आल्सो स्पीकिंग टू हिज मदर देयर मदर द बोथ द ब्रदर्स मदर व्हिच वाज दीति सो ही ही हैज बीन ट्राइंग टू पैसिफाई देम since the last many many verses we have seen he's been giving very you know actually seemingly beautiful instructions which are from the bhagavad gita and he is telling them how to stop lamenting how not to you know how not to feel separation from someone who has departed if the body is temporary the body is not you know the material world is temporary one should focus on that which is eternal so very good instructions on body and soul and we've been hearing over the past few days many speakers mentioned that if you take that word out hiranyakashipu uvacha it could be any great spiritual master or even lord krishna speaking himself you know it's such beautiful instructions on the difference between body soul the difference between matter and spirit the uh, you know the difference between affection lamentation detachment so he's talking all these beautiful instructions and right now he is narrating since the past few verses he has started narrating um the story of king suyagna so whenever a person is giving instructions sometimes when the instructions don't go through in the heart 
then that person, and especially learned people are very good at doing that. So Hiranyakashipu was actually quite a learned so person. So he, he was trying to get across this point because the ladies were lamenting a lot. The wife and the mother were lamenting for their dead son and the dead husband quite a bit. So then he's trying to drive home his point using stories. So he, he started saying the story of King Suyagna and that is what is being narrated right now. So there was once a king called Suyagna who was the ruler of um, Ushinara. And he was a valiant king, he was fighting his enemies on the battlefield, but unfortunately he died on the battlefield while fighting with the enemies. So all his soldiers, all his army, his kingsmen, everybody had gathered around him and they were lamenting for the death of their king. They were saying, oh, you have gone now, we have no shelter in this world, you were our shelter, you were our caretaker and maintainer, now we are anath, we have become orphans. Who is going to look after us? So they are lamenting and then the queens also come there on the scene. And the queens of Suyagna are very pity, pitiously crying. They are, you know, they are striking their breasts and they are saying, Oh, Providence, you have taken him away so soon. He was our protector, he was the father of our children, but you have not shown mercy on us. So they are cursing Providence and they are hitting their, beating their breasts and they are crying over the dead body of King Suyagna. And while they were doing like this, the appropriate time for taking the body had come close. And it, it was already passing, but they were not letting go of the body. And they were just clinging on, they just wanted to keep looking at his face, they just wanted to keep crying in separation from their husband, their departed husband. So then, you know, everybody was then in a fix because they were not allowing to take the body and it was time. The appropriate time was there to actually do the cremation, the final rites for the body. So then Yamaraj himself had to come. So Yamaraj came in the form of a little child. Now imagine this is all being uh, narrated by Hiranyakashipu to the wife and uh, mother of uh, Hiranyaksha. So Yamaraj came, he took the form of a little boy and he came to give some valuable instructions to these queens. So some verses, you know, uh, some of the verses were being spoken by Yamaraj. Even this story which has started is being sp spoken by Yamaraj only. So he started telling the queens that, oh, look at these foolish ladies. They are lamenting for someone saying that, oh, our protector is gone, our maintainer is gone. But they are not realizing that ultimately it is the Supreme Lord who is the maintainer and protector of everybody. It is not, you know, the, the, your husband, it is not these Deha Patya Kalatra Adishwa. In the Bhagavatam it is said that your uh, husband or the wife, your relatives, children, they are all fallible soldiers. At the time of death, nobody will be able to save you. They will not be able to uh, save you from death or they will not be able to take, tell Yamaraj or Yamadutas or Vishnu Dutas, whoever has come that, no, no, don't take them. Nobody can save you. Neither can anybody come with you. And that is what Yamaraj in the form of that young child is explaining to these ladies. He is telling them that um, I was born, I was, I was an orphan. I became an orphan. I am motherless and fatherless and I was left to fend on my own. And I was roaming around in the forests, but nothing happened to me. None of the ferocious animals attacked me. I didn't get devoured by a snake or I didn't get bitten by poisonous spiders or scorpions or anything like that. He said nothing happened to me. So he was trying to teach them or preach to them the philosophy of Rakhe Krishna Mare Ke, Mare Krishna Rakhe Ke. So he was trying to say that if Krishna, you know, you all know that Lord, the Supreme Lord is the protector and the maintainer of everybody, then who is there to uh, kill you if the Lord is protecting? 
So even though, and then he was giving his own example. I was going through this forest among ferocious animals because the Lord was protecting me and my time had not come. So nothing happened to me. But sometimes we see that a child who is, you know, completely protected by their parents, all the medical facilities are available, physicians, doctors, everything is available. But if the time has come and if Krishna's will is there, then nobody can save that child. So he's trying to drive home that point. And he's also telling them, the example of money. He is saying that sometimes a person might lose some money on the street. In a busy street he might lose some money, his wallet fall, fell down or something like that happened. But if that money has to be protected and it is not to be stolen or gone, that person finds that money even the next day. He comes back, somebody has kept the wallet safely and he will get his wallet. Oh, I lost my wallet, I lost my wallet and somebody will give it to him. Yeah, yeah, we have kept it safely for you. But he said that same money, even from a secure house, can get stolen. If, you know, it is by providence that your money has to be gone, then even if you keep it safely inside a house, imagine a tsunami comes or an earthquake comes. Like right now we know what's the situation in Turkey and Syria. Like in our office also they are trying to do some fund, fundraising drive or something like that to send to the affected victims. But it's horrible, the situation in Turkey and Syria. And now they are blaming the contractors. They are arresting contractors because the contractors they are saying did not build strong buildings. But who sanctioned those building plans? It's the government who sanctioned. So corruption started at right at the you know, top level. Everybody was eating money and sanctioning these faulty plans of the contractors and not building because Turkey and Syria are on the fault line or something. So it is, they are prone to earthquakes. So they had the contractors, every building construction person has to comply with some standards. But who, was, who passed them? Even though they were not complying, it's the government officials. But now they want to make someone a scapegoat, so they are arresting these contractors to show people. Because the whole world is watching those two countries right now. So just to show people we are taking some action. So you know, somebody gets, uh, so if, if you have kept your money safely and if there is a tsunami which or this earthquake which comes, who can protect your money? Neither will insurance pay you much. Sometimes insurance clauses are there, not covered for uh, earthquakes, if you are living in an earthquake prone zone. Like you take medical insurance, no pre-existing conditions are covered for quite some time. So like that, you lose your money. So th this is what Yamaraj in the form of little, the little boy is preaching to the queens. And he is giving beautiful instructions on the, again, you know what Hiranyakashipu was doing. He is giving beautiful instructions on the difference between body and soul and how the body is always perishable but the soul is imperishable. Don't lament for something which is anyway perishable. So same instructions which Hiranyakashipu was giving, Yamaraj is giving in the form of a little boy and Hiranyakashipu is quoting this story because similar to the wives of Suyagna crying over his dead body, the wife of Hiranyak Hiranyaksha whose name was Rishabhanu and the mother Diti are also crying over the dead body. So, this is um, the story of Yamaraj who is right now talking. So, he is saying that uh, one who has the knowledge of self-realization, one who has actually studied, he is telling these women, Yamaraj, is telling the women that one who has this, developed this knowledge of self-realization through the, through the study of scriptures, through listening from uh, Vaishnavas, through listening from people who themselves are self-realized, who themselves are detached, from their body, then they will not be overcome by lamentation. So that is the point he is trying to drive home, that right now someone has come to tell you, so uh, imbibe, absorb and imbibe these instructions and do stop your lamentation and allow this body to go for their final rites. That is what he was trying to say. But he said that it is difficult to explain this to someone who is in illusion. For a person who is in illusion, it is very difficult to make them understand. 
these subject matters of you know body soul matter spirit and all that it's very difficult if someone is steeped in maya it's very difficult for the instructions to go into their heart you you go catch anybody who's you know enjoying life they have all the money especially in western countries we see they're enjoying they have all money they have all facilities you know they are in a country where there is a not much bhaga dodi like we say like in india they don't have to run to get a spot in the train or the tram so it's not like that so people who are not struggling who have it easy in life if you go and and they are very happy living that life if you go and tell them the difference of body and soul very very poor receptivity to these instructions because so much steeped in maya so much steeped in material affairs and in illusion so this is what yamraj is telling them in the form of narad muni and now he is starting another story so we see even narad muni does this many times that when a person is very much steeped in illusion like these queens were because of the extreme lamentation that they were uh, displaying them uh, for their husband then you have to explain you have to drive them the philosophy cannot be absorbed by people who are in steeped in illusion and then you have to use stories and allegories and narad muni does that in the bhagavatam very effectively we all know narad muni is an expert preacher he knows the you know very aptly he applies the english proverb different strokes for different folks so in our office also when we do sales training for our team members we tell them every every person every customer is different so you can't apply the same formula to this person same formula to this person same formula to this person you have to modify your script whatever script you are saying to sell your product you have to modify it based on the person the customer who whom you are facing so different strokes for different folks and that is what narad muni is also expert at doing so we see in the example of king prachina bari he was engaged in vedic sacrifices and he was engaged in animal sacrifices because in the vedas you know there are animal sacrifices that have to be done but then you have to be able to revive those animals by the power of mantra but king prachina bari was taking one instruction of the vedas and he was completely absorbed in animal sacrifices and continuously he was doing these animal sacrifices and then narad muni had to come to preach to him and he knew that someone who's at this stage of life will not be able to understand philosophy if i give it as it is so therefore narad muni tells him the allegory of king puranjana and through that whole allegory allegory narad muni explains that how all these animals he shows the he shows king prachina bhari that see all these animals are waiting in the sky he shows them and they are all waiting to kill you in your next lifetime you will have to take as many birds as you kill these animals and get killed by each one of them so through the story the allegory of king puranjana he was able to drive home his point and the same thing we see yamraj doing over here so yamraj also is seeing that these ladies are you know too much in lamentation they will not be able to absorb philosophy so now he is starting to tell them a story and from today's verse he is telling them the story of how to you know how not to lament because he is giving the example of two kulinga birds so to describe this pastime a little bit in brief which yamraj is telling the uh, the queens he says that there were two kulinga birds who were very attached to each other and they had little baby birds also so very happy family like in human form of life we see husband wife children they are all very happy i remember when i you know before i had come into krishna consciousness we were in japan at that time and like you know young ma newly married we had one a uh, uh, son was just one year old or something like that at that time and some of the devotees were trying to preach and i was arguing with my husband i was saying why do iskon devotees try to prove to you you are in you are in misery i am not in misery i am enjoying because nicely we were in japan which is a nice advanced country i was you know married to a person who was having good you know on, on projects earning well 
we had a, a nice beautiful son who was one year old so nothing there i felt there is no misery in life and i was saying you want to convince people they are miserable and then you want to tell them oh we'll give you the solution for the misery i said but i'm not miserable only so i remember i used to do these arguments with my husband but we are seeing over here that uh, nara uh, this yamraj is telling the story of these two kulinga birds who are also very happy in their own little world they are happy with each other they are happy with the little baby birds they have not realizing that time is passing not realizing that danger in the form of this uh, death personified it said in today's verse it said that uh, the hunter was wait waiting as if sent by death himself to take this bird away so not realizing that death is around the corner it's lurking danger is there at every step so they were nicely living but the hunter had spread his net with and he would lure on the net he would spread lots of food and he would lure the birds into his net with the food and the lady the she bird the she kulinga bird actually got trapped she got attracted she got trapped and she went in sat on the net and obviously the hunter trapped her now the hunter has trapped her obviously the kulinga bird cannot do anything about it the he bird the male bird cannot do anything about it but he is sitting and lamenting over there oh my wife meri wife ko pakad liya like that he is sitting and lamenting they have caught my wife my wife has been trapped she cannot be now taken so like that he is sitting and lamenting and wasting his time that is what yamraj is trying to tell these ladies that when you are lamenting he did not realize that time is passing for me and for me also death is waiting at any moment to capture me and that is exactly what happens because the kulinga bird, bird kept lamenting the male bird that oh we have little children at home in the nest the mother bird used to come and feed those little children now who will be there to look after those birds she was maintaining them i don't have that capacity to maintain my children oh providence you have taken her too soon you've taken her too soon so like that he was keeping on lamenting and obviously the hunter was waiting he got another bird who is just sitting there and waiting for the hunter to come and catch and the hunter actually catches the second bird also so we see yamraj is trying to drive home that point he is saying that if you waste your time lamenting and you are not doing something to improve your own life because these instructions are given even senior devotees give this instructions when a near and dear one passes away in the family they said that they have especially if from a devotee family someone has passed away they have definitely got a higher destination and if they were in a body where there was some suffering going on whether due to old age or any other disease or something like that they are out of that disease ridden body they are now into a better body where they will continue their spiritual life so you know even senior devotees say that you they have gone to their destination now you are make uh, arrangements for your own destination like prabhupad says when in the chapter first canto in one of the chapters which is entitled the pandavas retire timely there prabhupad says that every person has to fly their own plane so when the pandavas were retiring they decided as soon as they came to know arjuna came back from dwarka he got the news krishna has left the world he was lamenting from because of separation from krishna and then it is said he remembered the instructions of bhagavad gita and that pacified his heart but they decided that now there's nothing if lord krishna has left there's nothing for us to uh, uh, live here they handed over the whole kingdom to parikshma maharaj and all of them left and this it's described in the reports that they did not even wait for draupadi so draupadi had to leave in kunti marani and draupadi had to go themselves they also had to start going to the north themselves to then you know for their own spiritual um, realization and there prabhupad says they says that at the end of life 
these related these fallible soldiers relatives nobody is going to come and help you everybody has to fly their own pain we have to take responsibility ourselves for our spiritual life obviously if we are in a devotee family surrounded by devotee community we will have help people will be there hopefully to you know come and chant for us to come and make us remember krishna and all that so they will be there with us but ultimately we have to remember krishna i think once giriraj maharaj was saying in a class he was saying that when you are chanting and most of like again speaking of me the mind is not on the hare krishna mahamantra the mind is either on office matters the mind is on what to cook what to send in the lunch box for children or uh, you know the next bill is due insurance is due the mind is in all these matters especially in the morning when you are chanting the whole day's planning gets done during chanting what i'm going to do next what i'm going so we know that the mind is completely going here and there so maharaj was saying that if you leave your body at that time even though you were chanting the the body with the soul will go not to the chanting the soul will go to what you are meditating on during your chanting so we have to be very careful that when we are chanting we are absorbed in in the holy name we are hearing the holy name because even if we chant while so even devotees are there like you know again coming back to flying your own plane devotees might be there to remind you about krishna but if we are not remembering krishna and we are mind is meditating somewhere else like the famous story is there of that you know businessman who was going to die and all his relatives were there and then he saying you are here you are here you are here then who is looking after the shop so like that whatever you are absorbed in that is where your consciousness will take your soul away and he says so this is what he is telling yamaraj is telling in the form of the little boy that do not keep lamenting because death is awaiting you all as well your husband has died a glorious death on the battlefield fighting with the enemy but now you look after how you have to improve your life and you have to perfect your life and he was trying to remind them like in the bhagavatam we have this famous verse on in the second canto third chapter 17th verse ayur harati vaipum sam udyanashtam chayan aso tasyarthe yat kshano nita uttama shloka vartaya so prabhupa translates this verse as saying that both by rising and setting the sun is actually decreasing the duration of life of everyone everyone's life is going down by the rising and setting of the sun except for one who is completely absorbed and engaged in discussing devotional topics or you know topics concerning the supreme personality of godhead for them the sun is not having that effect but for everybody else the sun is having that effect by day by day by day your life is being stolen from you so yamaraj is telling them that do not waste your time because time is very precious it's going death is around the corner like it happened with this kulinga bird we saw that was he kept lamenting he kept wasting his time now if he would have actually been you know wise he would have had some knowledge of self realization obviously you feel separation from your near and dear ones obviously you'll have that time of grieving but after that his duty was also to look after those children those baby, little baby birds whom was he was remembering who were in the nest but because he kept himself exposed to the danger the hunter came and trapped him rather than going and taking now the babies are orphans so neither the mother is there he was lamenting mother is not take care of to uh, there to take care of the babies but now the father is also not there so this is what yamaraj is telling these ladies and all the ladies were astonished everybody who was there they were astonished when they heard thus this great philosophy from the mouth of of such a young child so he says that the person who has left already has achieved his abode but the person who is remaining over here needs to perfect his life and then yamaraj gives further instructions he is saying that uh, and we see this even panda um, prahlad maharaj will do this in the same canto 
you know, Prahlad Maharaj will do this to the same Hiranyakashipu, who is now giving instructions to the, to the wife and the mother of Hiranyaksha. Further down in the 6th chapter, 7th chapter, 8th chapter, Prahlad Maharaj will be giving beautiful instructions, his own son. He gives beautiful instructions to his classmates, the demon classmates when he's studying, and then he gives beautiful instructions to his father as well. He tells his father that everybody is Grahamandha Kupam. Everybody is in this deep dark well of Grahastha, Grahamedhi. They are all Grahamedhis. They are in the deep dark well of this tightly knit family life. And they are not realizing that death is waiting for them at any time. In fact, he tells his classmates in 7th uh, chapter, 29th verse, he tells them beautiful verses uh, to his classmates. He says, because now he's giving the solution, he has told his classmates, Komara Macharet Pragyo, he's telling them how it is important to start Krishna Bhakti, because he was also driving home that point that the every day is passing and we are coming one step closer to death. So utilize your time in Krishna Bhakti. So he is also trying to, Prahlad Maharaj is trying to say the same thing which we hear Yamraj saying over here. And that time he is telling his classmates, he is saying that the only way to rec you know, achieve the perfection of this human form of life is obviously to do devotional service to the Supreme Lord. And in that also he tells them that of the different processes recommended from disentanglement from this material life, the one personally explained and accepted by the Supreme Lord should be considered all perfect. That process is the performance of duties by which love for the Supreme Lord arises. So that is the perfection of human form of life, that you do activities which will arise your love for the Lord. And it will not arise more, more and more attachment for all the relatives who are around you over here. And in the further verses he says, you know what the instruction which we hear in Nectar of Devotion. Prabhupada says that the first step in self-realization is Guru Padashraya. That is the first step Prabhupada describes in Nectar of Devotion. And that is what Prahlad Maharaj, being the Mahabhagavat, he is also reiterating over here. He says, one must accept the bona fide spiritual master and render service unto him with great devotion and faith. Whatever one has in one's possession should be offered to the spiritual master. And in the association of saintly persons and devotees, one should keep worshipping the Supreme Lord and his spiritual master. So, Prabhu, so Prahlad Maharaj is telling his classmates and even to Hiranyakashipu later on that it is the spiritual master who can actually open the doors of liberation to you, who can actually explain to you how to achieve the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in the purport, Prabhupada very nicely explains. He stresses the importance of taking shelter of a bona fide spiritual master in this human form of life. If we don't do that before our death, then we, we will not achieve perfection. Because it is only the transparent via medium of the Guru who can then connect us to Krishna. So Prabhupada is stressing that in the purport. And Prabhupada is also saying that the disciple should make it his, the, his life's mission to serve his spiritual master, to look after the needs of his spiritual master and to follow his instructions. And that could be either in Bapu form or Vani form. So for most, most of us, like, spiritual masters are not always present over here. Then we listen. It is said that it is a service to the spiritual master to even hear his instructions, to hear his classes. Because the spiritual master is speaking so many, so many classes he gives, so many lectures he gives, and discourses he gives. But as a disciple, if we are not even hearing their classes, then what is the service we are rendering to a spiritual master? But at the same time, if they are present physically, then we should take as much advantage of their physical association as well and try to render physical services also. 
and Prabhupada talk, uh, calls that term as Guru Sush, um, Sushrushanam. He says that physically also a disciple should render menial services to his spiritual master. He should ensure his spiritual master has a comfortable life. You know, if he has to, he should you know, give back to the spiritual master. All these services he should render. And we see during Prabhupada's time, when he was about to leave the world, his disciples were doing that service very nicely for Srila Prabhupada. All of our you know, uh, exalted spiritual masters who have some of them were uh, in the, engaged in the personal service of Srila Prabhupada. So they were, they were serving him very nicely and Prabhupada further says in the purport, Prabhupada says that prani arthir dhiya uvacha, with life, with wealth, with intelligence and with words, one should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead through the transparent via medium of the spiritual master. That is what Srila Prabhupada is stressing in the purport. So we will discuss the pastimes of Ishwara Puri who was one such person who actually with his prane, artha, diya and uvacha, with whatever Prabhupada is saying in the purport, Ishwara Puri was an emblem. He, uh, he was an ideal disciple of his own guru. And you know, through his example, he set a very great benchmark how every disciple should serve his guru. So we'll spend the next few minutes discussing about the life of Ishwara Puri and how he's such a glorious Acharya in our disciplic succession. So as we all know, today is his disappearance day and he was the spiritual master of none other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he came in this Kaliyuga. So he is the spiritual master of uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he is also the dearmost disciple of Madhavendra Puri. So in fact it is uh, described, we know that our Sampradaya is Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya and it is described in the scriptures, especially which are written by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It is said that uh, Madhavendra Puri was that first shoot of the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya who started displaying and also started talking about love and separation from Krishna, Vipralambharasa. In fact, very beautifully in the Chaitanya Charitramrita, Adi Leela, um, chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, um, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami describes. He says that the first sprout of the desire tree of devotion was manifested in the person of Madhavendra Puri. And then that sprout developed further and became a sapling in the person of Ishwara Puri. And after that, it became an enormous trunk of the devotion, uh, devotional service to Lord Krishna in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who himself was the gardener also of that huge tree. It became the trunk of an enormous tree of devotion to, uh, to Lord Sri Krishna. So we see this is the connection. Because in Madhva Sampradaya, they usually worship Udipi Krishna. There is a beautiful temple of Lord Krishna in Udipi, which is near the south of India. And they worship that form of Lord Krishna. And the worship is not so much in separation. But what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu come to preach? He came to preach to us, obviously, he came to establish the Yuga Dharma of the chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, but he also was teaching us Vipralambarasa, love in separation of Krishna, and that is what we see started manifesting in the heart of Madhavendra Puri. He was the first person who started displaying those symptoms of separation from Krishna, and because of Ishwara Puri's immense service, to his spiritual master, he imbibed, he imbued Ishwar Puri also with that particular bhav of separation, of Vipralamba bhav in his heart. 
So in fact, there is a very beautiful shloka. When Madhavendra Puri was about to leave the world, he was always in separation from Krishna and he was lamenting, where are you Krishna, where are you Krishna, like that. He was feeling a lot of separation from Krishna. And again and again, he would keep repeating one shloka, which the Gaudiya Vaishnavas consider as the essence of the expression of the mood of separation. So that shloka says, Ai dina dayard natha he, mathura natha kadara lokshaye, Ridayam tva alokam kataram, daita brahmya kim karomi aham. So he says, O oh my Lord, O oh merciful Master, O oh Nath of Mathura, when shall I see you again? Because of not seeing you, my agitated heart has become completely unsteady. There's a turmoil in my heart because I'm not seeing you, my Lord. O oh my beloved one, what shall I do now? I'm feeling so much separation from you. So this is the shloka again and again Madhava Mendra Puri was reciting when he was about, about to depart from this world. In fact, towards the end of his life, he was completely incapacitated. He could not even get up from his bed to you know, do normal tasks like taking a bath and passing stool and all that, answer nature's call. He was not able to do all that. He had to do that, all, that, all that on his bed only. And Ishwara Puri, who was humility personified, who was teaching the whole world by his own example that how a disciple should serve the Guru, he was very happily rendering these menial services to his Guru Madhavendra Puri. So he would not only give him a bath, even when his spiritual master would pass stool or urine, very lovingly he would clean him. And he would again give him a bath, he would place him in a bare, fresh bed. And he saw that his spiritual master was continuously in this mood of separation. So he would augment that mood of his spiritual master, understanding that his spiritual master is lamenting for Lord Krishna. He would augment that mood, he would enhance that mood by continuously singing Hari Kirtan, by continuously reciting pastimes of Radha and Krishna, so that Madhavendra Puri could be in constant remembrance of Lord Krishna. So understanding his Guru's mood, Ishwara Puri was very nicely rendering that service also to his spiritual master, apart from the menial physical services. And Madhavendra Puri was extremely pleased with his uh, disciple's service. So he was so pleased that he completely um, made his heart, Ishwara Puri's heart, he gave him, he bestowed the treasure of Krishna Prem in Ishwara Puri's heart. So that is the blessings and Prabhupada explains in the purport to that particular section of the Chaitanya Charitramrita that it is the mission of a disciple to always serve his spiritual master in the way that the spiritual master wants, not in the way the disciple feels is appropriate to serve the spiritual master, but in the way understanding the mood of the spiritual master, understanding his needs, the disciple should serve his spiritual master. And if a disciple does that very nicely, he can be assured of getting Krishna Prem in this lifetime. But if he is not doing that and he is, con he is doing contrary service, then he definitely all, there is all inauspiciousness for him. So Prabhupada is explaining in the purport how Ishwara Puri was the true recipient of the mercy of his Guru Madhavendra Puri. Now once again Ishwara Puri showed exemplary humility. So he showed humility when he was serving his spiritual master and he also showed humility when once he was he used to keep touring all over, all over India to spread the holy name and to spread Krishna Katha. So once he came to Navadvip Dham, and when he was over there, he knew of the exalted nature of Advaita Acharya. And Advaita Acharya was his god brother. So Madhavendra Puri had few exalted disciples like um, Ishwara Puri, Advaita Acharya, Lord Nityananda was his disciple. So Advai, um, uh, um, 
Madhavendra, Ishwara Puri wanted the association of Advaita Acharya, so he came to his house and he went and sat down. Advaita Acharya was absorbed in his deity worship at that time. He was doing his uh, puja. So he just sat down very humbly in one corner. And he sat down over there very shyly, very humbly and very patiently he started waiting over there. So while doing his worship, his puja, Advaita Acharya kept glancing back that this person who is sitting over here, he doesn't seem to be an ordinary person. He seems to be a very exalted Vaishnava sannyasi. So continuously, but Ishwarapuri was just keeping a very low, low demeanor and he was just continuously waiting patiently. He was not speaking anything. He was not trying to have eye contact also with Advaita Acharya because he did not want to disturb his puja. But Advaita Acharya felt continuously that yes, this is some exalted personality and he asked him, who are you and where have you come from? And at that time even Mukundadat was present. Now we know that Mukundadat was an expert singer of Krishna uh, Kirtan and of Krishna Bhajans. So Mukundadat also realized that this personality is actually some exalted Vaishnava Sanyasi. So when Advaita Acharya asked him, who are you? Ishwarapuri said that, oh, I'm, the, I'm a low-class Shudra and I have come to take darshan of your lotus feet. So then Mukundadat thought that, that I have to expose this Sanyasi because he is trying to keep his identity hidden from us. So Mukundadat in his sweet voice started singing uh, some bhajan and started singing the glories of Krishna. And as soon as he started doing that, Ishwarapuri completely went in ecstasy. And just hearing this from the sweet mouth of uh, uh, Mukundadat, he fainted. And he started displaying all the Ashta Sattvika Bhav. And at that time, Advaita Acharya and Mukundadat realized that, oh, this is the famous disciple of Madhavendra Puri, Srila Ishwarapuri, who has come to our house and who has come to Navadvip Dham to bless us. So Advaita Acharya embraced him, very tightly embraced him, and both of them showered each other with tears of love. So they had that meeting with Advaita Acharya like that. And then uh, Advaita Acharya lovingly requested him to stay in Navadvip Dham for some time. So he stayed in Gopinath Acharya's house. And while staying over there, he would obviously go in, uh, around Navadvip many times. And that time Ishwarapuri came across Nimai Pandit once. And he was with some of his disciples. So he was awestruck when he saw the charming beauty of Nimai Pandit. And Nimai Pandit, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had not yet manifested his uh, pastime of, uh, you know, the Harinam Kirtan or the Yuga Dharma that he had come to establish. He was still displaying the pastimes of him being a great, a great scholar of grammar. So that, is, that, is, that was the pastime he was displaying. So Ishwarapuri was very mesmerized by his beauty and he asked him, who are you? And his disciples said, oh, this is Nimai Pandit. And then Ishwarapuri said, oh, you're the famous Nimai Pandit. You're such a great grammarly scholar. I know how famous you are. I know how learned you are. You are such a great Pandit. So he glorified him so much. And the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu paid obeisances to uh, him because he recognized this is a very great saint. So he paid obeisances to him and he very lovingly invited him. He said, please come to my house to honor some prasadam with me. So Ishwarapuri lovingly accepted that and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took him to his house. And whatever Sachi Mata had cooked, they offered to their deities, to their Vishnu deities, and they gave to Ishwarapuri. And he served, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu served him very lovingly all the prasad, and then he took some of his remnants. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would always honor Ishwarapuri. Many times he called him to his house for prasad. And while Ishwarapuri was staying over there, 
Gadadhar Pandit, who was very little boy at that time, he would go to take association of Ishwarapuri. And Gadadhar Pandit, we all know, was, a very was very simple at heart, very innocent, very simple. So Ishwarapuri had a lot of affection for him. And out of his affection, he would teach him. He had composed a beautiful uh, scripture called Shri Krishna Leelamrit. So he was teaching, he was reciting this Shri Krishna Leelamrit to Gadadhar Pandit and teaching him from that Shri Krishna Leelamrit. So once, like Nimai Pandit would often come to take darshan of uh, Ishwarapuri, once Nimai Pandit came over there, when Ishwarapuri was reciting this Shri Krishna Leelamrit to Gadadhar Pandit. And after paying obeisances, Nimai Pandit sat down over there and that time, Ishwarapuri told Nimai Pandit, he said that you are such a great Pandit, such a great scholar of grammar and I am a very simple person, but still I have tried, attempted to uh, write this book, this script, uh, scripture called Shri Krishna Leelamrit. Can you please sit down and listen to me narrating it to you so that you can then give me some corrections. If there are any corrections, I've, if I have not you know, written grammar properly on some Sanskrit I haven't quoted properly, you can please help me to correct it. So even though Nimai Pandit was a great scholar, he had still not manifested his pastime of being a devotee, a great devotee of the Lord. He still recognized the value of a sannyasi, a Vaishnav, exalted Vaishnav sannyasi saying these words. So in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, he said that whatever a devotee, especially a pure devotee like you dictates or speaks, it's actually dictated by Lord Krishna personally. And Prabhupada quotes this often because even Prabhupada used to say that, that whatever I am writing in my books, they are not my words, they are actually my spiritual ecstasies and they have been spoken, given to me by Krishna himself. So this is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is corroborating over here. He is saying whatever a great devotee speaks, it has been dictated by Krishna himself. Then how can there be any fault? So, and if a person even tries to find some fault in whatever a great devotee has composed, then he will become a sinful wretch. So, whatever you have composed, that is completely perfect. I have, I can't see, I don't want to see anything. No grammatical mistakes, nothing is there in that particular um, scripture. So, then Ishwarapuri spent a few more days and he continued on his tour. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's father passed away in the meantime, so he went to Gaya to offer Pinda to his uh, father and in Gaya obviously he went to take darshan of the Vishnu temple where the foot, footprints of Vishnu are there and over there just hearing the pastimes of Vishnu and looking at the footprints of Lord Vishnu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fainted in ecstasy. He has started displaying that pastimes, manifesting the pastimes of uh, love for Krishna, of being a devotee. And Ishwarapuri came with some of his disciples over there. When he heard that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nimai Pandit has come, he came over there and very lovingly he picked up Nimai Pandit and he embraced him. And as soon as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw him, he came back to consciousness, he paid obeisances to him and they both showered each other with tears of love. And that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, he said that now my coming to Gaya has become completely perfect. Everybody comes to Gaya to offer Pinda to their forefathers so that their forefathers can get liberation. But when a person like you is there and he gives his darshan, what to speak of just our forefathers, our millions of forefathers get liberated just by your darshan. Not only that, the holy Tirth is very eager to get the dust of your lotus feet. So the holy Tirth is purified by your presence in the holy Tirth. And that is what we see Srila Prabhupada also saying many times in the Bhagavatam. He says that even donkeys and uh, asses and you know cows also live in 
the holy dham they also take bath in the yamuna if you see so many buffaloes and all take bath in the yamuna but we don't want to be like these donkeys and asses and cows who are just going there to take bath but who are not getting purifying ourselves with the words of the or instructions of a guru or of a vaishnava so uh, the holy dham will become as much purified for us it will manifest in our heart the more we are hearing from somebody from some exalted devotees in the holy dham and we see yudhishthir maharaj also say this when uh, vidura came back after the battle of mahabharat vidura came back now did he come back to enjoy the comforts of the kingdom he had gone on pilgrimage he had refused to take bath duryodhan had actually driven him out of the kingdom and then vidura had gone on a pilgrimage and after the battle is over he's come back because duryodhan and everybody is dead he could have actually comfortably lived in that kingdom and yudhishthir maharaj would have looked after him very nicely being the emperor of the world at that time but he had actually come to deliver his brother dhritarashtra but as soon as he comes vidura arrives yudhishthir maharaj and all the pandavas worship him they receive him very nicely and that time yudhishthir maharaj says tu tirthi kurvanti tirthani he says that wherever a person like you is present a devotee of the lord like you is present that place becomes holy place personified and we see chaitanya mahaprabhu telling the same words to ishwara puri that because you are there present in this particular place just by your darshan millions of forefathers can get delivered and the holy tirth is yearning to have the dust of your lotus feet on her head so they have this exchange and then madhavendra puri uh, sorry ishwara puri is invited by chaitanya mahaprabhu he says please come to me for to my house for lunch and when ishwara puri arrives chaitanya mahaprabhu is lovingly cooking for his spiritual master and just as we saw ishwara puri showing an exemplary behavior on how to serve your spiritual master we see chaitanya mahaprabhu also do that so when ishwara puri came to his house chaitanya mahaprabhu welcomed him he washed his feet his lotus feet very nicely and then he gave him a nice sitting place he offered him some chandan he offered him garlands and then he very lovingly served his spiritual master prasad and till the spiritual master had not eaten he kept fanning the spiritual master and serving him and once he had eaten he partook of his remnants so prabhupad says that this is how a disciple should serve his spiritual master very nicely and chaitanya mahaprabhu then requested ishwara puri that you please i have become my my life has become purified by your darshan and your association you please initiate me into the divine mantra and ishwara puri very happily agrees ishwara puri says that i have come to know that you are actually the supreme personality of godhead today morning i had a dream where in my dream i saw that you are not just some ordinary uh, grammarian scholar or a pandit or something but you are the supreme lord who has come to this earth with a very great purpose so what to speak of giving you the divine mantra i am happy to give you my life if you had asked for it and then ishwara puri initiates chaitanya mahaprabhu with the divine mantra and obviously after that chaitanya mahaprabhu so he was waiting to get initiated by ishwara puri to then start manifesting his past times of spreading the holy name his past times of feeling separation the mood of separation which he had come to um teach the whole world about so only after that he started manifesting that past times and from the on the way to gaya chaitanya mahaprabhu when he was returning back he went to navadweep via kumarhatta now kumarhatta was a very special place for chaitanya mahaprabhu because it was the birthplace of his spiritual master so ishwara puri was born in kumarhatta and it is also a very holy place because after chaitanya mahaprabhu took sanyas and he went to jagannath puri on the order of his mother he was staying in jagannath puri 
so that time shrivas pandit and all his other brothers they could not stay in navadweep anymore because the memories of chaitanya mahaprabhu were too painful for them in the streets of navadweep and they all left their house because shriva sangam is also called as rasasthali it is non different from the place where raslila happens of krishna and all his um, uh, gopis in the same way in shriva sangam chaitanya mahaprabhu used to have ecstatic kirtans all day and night and imagine now he is gone so you will not be able to look also at that angan and that is what shrivas pandit was going through and all his brothers were going through so they also moved to kumarhatta and for the rest of their lives they stayed in kumarhatta not very far from where the original house of ishwarapuri was there so chaitanya mahaprabhu on the way to uh, navadweep visited kumarhatta and he started rolling on the ground when he reached his spiritual master's birthplace and in ecstasy he started crying that this is the perfection of my life this is where my spiritual master took birth so he started rolling in the dust of that place and then he took some dust from that place and he tied it at the end of the office cloth and he said that this is going to be my prasad every day to just take this dust off the birth or uh, place of my spiritual master where his footsteps had been and every day little 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 dust chaitanya mahaprabhu used to take and following in chaitanya mahaprabhu's footsteps for hundreds of years his followers have been visiting that particular place the birth place of ishwarapuri they all have been taking that dust from the birth place of uh, ishwarapuri and because of that there is a little pond that has got created there because everybody kept taking dust and that pond is called as chaitanya doha so even now if we go to navadweep and we go to uh, navadweep dham parikrama chaitanya the kumarhatta is more famously known as chaitanya doha because doha means a pond which has been filled by water right now but that was the pond from which the place from which chaitanya mahaprabhu took dust to just keep it on his head and to uh, uh, have some dust of his spiritual master's birthplace and chaitanya mahaprabhu as we know he had taken sanyas and he was serving lord jagannath in jagannath puri so by that time madhavendra puri was had wound sorry ishwara puri had wound up his pastimes but before winding up his pastimes he actually sent two of his dear disciples govinda and uh, kashishwar brahmachari to serve shri chaitanya mahaprabhu in jagannath puri so it is described in the chaitanya charitramrita that chaitanya mahaprabhu did not like to accept service because they were his god brothers imagine your god brother is trying to serve you and render menial services so he did not like to accept service from um, govinda and kashishwar brahmachari but because his spiritual master's instruction was there that you all go and serve chaitanya mahaprabhu in puri he was happily accepting and we hear govinda and chaitanya mahaprabhu having so many pastimes in chaitanya mahaprabhu's uh, leela so that you know that is there that is described very nicely in um, uh chaitanya charitramrita how govinda used to lovingly serve chaitanya mahaprabhu as a menial servant just as his spiritual master ishwara puri had served madhavendra puri so these are the some of the glories of um, ishwara puri shri ishwara puri mahashay ki we'll end the class here and we'll see if there are any comments questions or corrections yes madam चैतन्य चरित्रमृता आई थिंक ही पर्सनली कुक फॉर स्पिरिचुअल मास्टर इन गया एंड गिव इम प्रसाद
Hare Krishna Mataji, thank you for the nice class. Um, you mentioned how Prabhupada says that we will depart on our own plane. No one is going to help us in our spiritual life. But I've heard in lectures that um, a devotee praying for you is much more benefiting you than you praying for yourself. So how can we understand this point? Very nice question, as usual, Sivya. Um, so how we understand this point that a devotee is praying for you and that is more beneficial than we praying no, for ourselves? Um, that we depart on our plane ourselves and no one is there to Yes. So yes, devotees definitely and that is why it is said that we should have very good loving relationships with devotees. You know, there is one devotee who sends like a little quote of uh, Prabhupada sometimes um, to, to uh, read and at the bottom he always writes, all at the end of the day all we have is each other. So we are in this Vaishnava community and all we have is each other for support. So therefore it's very important we maintain loving relationships so that the devotees will pray for us genuinely from their heart and so that they will be there with us when we are going to depart from this world. So yes, definitely Krishna listens to devotees' prayers more and they are very effective and that's why you know devotees pray for each other. But when we say well, you should fly your own plane, we are talking about the efforts we have to take. So our effort from our side is how much we are trying to cultivate, how much we are trying to cul uh, you know, chant the holy name very sincerely without any uh, mind going here and there, how much we are showing determination, how much we are trying to detach ourselves from material sense gratification and develop more and more taste for Krishna. So that is, there is something called external factors and there is something called internal factors. So devotees' prayers are external factors which will definitely help us be more, um, be, be more uh, receptive to then working on our internal factors. So the internal factor is we working on our anarthas, that all we'll have to do ourselves, no? Nobody can remove our anarthas from our heart. So that is something we'll have to do ourselves by hearing, by following the nine processes of devotional service. So that is our internal effort is for us and external is what devotees will do for us. So the external will definitely help. Like for example, if you are in a sattvic place, it definitely helps us to chant better. If you are chanting in the morning, it definitely helps our japa to be of better quality. But that's the external factor. But inside, if we are still, you know, meditating on job, meditating on what I'll do in school today, meditating on what is mummy packed for lunch today, if we are meditating on that, then how much can the external factor help, no? So devotees' prayers are the external factor which will definitely help, but internally it is our own uh, struggle and it is our own effort which will then help us to uh, like you know the Damodar Leela, no? the two, two finger story. So yeah, the mercy of the devotees will come in the form of prayers, but the effort has to be from our side. And Mataji, I would like to ask, if we pray for somebody, who does it benefit more? Us who, are, who, us who is praying for someone or the person who are we praying for or does it benefit both? It will benefit both, but it will benefit more the person who is praying. So obviously it's going to the person whom we are praying for as well because Krishna really likes to listen to his devotees' prayers and it is said that in corporate life we all try to reduce the layers between, you know, whoever's working between us and the CEO for example. That is the whole, you know, mission of corporate life. Everybody is trying, how can I climb the next ladder, how can I get the next promotion. So corporate life is all about reducing the layers between you and the top boss. But in spiritual life, it is, all, it is the opposite. It is all about increasing the layers between you and Krishna. So as many layers as you have between you and Krishna, you are serving the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. That much Krishna will be pleased with you. So that is why when we are praying for other devotees, Krishna is very pleased that you are actually trying to serve that devotee through your prayers. So it will definitely have a lot of benefit for us. Thank you, Mataji.
Hare Krishna. I was listening to your lecture when I was in the car. I was not physically present. Uh, you are giving the example of the bird and the bird's children and then the wife. So you mentioned that when the bird is trapped, the husband bird didn't uh, want to rescue her and you are saying that they should chant or they should um, uh, remember God that time, when the hard time, that instead of lamenting, he should or he should or she should pray to God. So that reminds me one example that when there was a famine in uh, so southern India, so... When there was a what? There was a food, of, food scarcity there, oh, okay. a lot of people famine. are dying, famine, yeah, then uh, the uh, one of the uh, organizations uh, head, he wrote a letter to Prabhupada that please help us with food. I was reading the, that, that section, I see the Prabhupada mentioned that you should chant Hare Krishna instead of giving the help. So if I look at these two aspects, one is to get the free will to rescue that bird or going back to the kitten and then pray to Krishna. So which aspect we should follow. Thank you. Um, so nice, nice question Prabhuji. Thank you for asking. But just little bit of uh, change or like correction over there. Like when the bird was, male bird was lamenting for the female bird, we did not say that he did not, he, did, he should not rescue her but he should chant. He was not able to rescue because he is a bird and that female bird has been trapped in a hunter's net. So obviously this male bird was not able to rescue the female bird. But instead of just lamenting and, you know, spending his time over there, keeping himself vulnerable, because the hunter is there, he can see hunter has trapped, obviously the hunter has not gone yet, so he can come and trap him also. So keeping himself vulnerable, he, can, he could have done his duty and actually gone and looked after his children, because the hunter came and caught him as well. So in, in, in um, life, we always have to do our duties towards our, obviously we have, we have taken birth, we have this family, we have to do our duties towards our parents, our uh, wife, husband, children, whatever. So we have to do that uh, duty of us. But here the instruction is being given by Yamaraj as a little boy that don't become so attached that you are continuously lamenting and you're not able to see beyond it to save yourself. So in fact, I don't know where this is, like I'll have to do research on where Prabhupada said this about the famine. But it's Prabhupada only when he saw some children, you know, scourging through the garbage bins in Mayapur. He actually said that, you know, start the Food for Life program started because of that. He said that no child or nobody within 10 miles radius of this temple should go hungry. So today, actually, if you see, ISKCON has one of the biggest food distribution programs in the world. Like there are so many uh, prashadam distribution programs going on wherever there are earthquakes, tsunamis, and not even waiting for calamities to happen, like giving to anathashrams, giving to schools. There are so many. In fact, I know because I come from Mumbai, I know it because they have started this Food for Life program to all the, they are called municipality schools in Mumbai. So there all the children, poor people's children come and because they started this Food for Life program, the teachers are saying the attendance has gone up because they are getting hot prasadam, khichdi or rice and dal, they are getting that hot prasadam in the afternoon to eat. 
So obviously, ISKCON is doing so much food for life and food distribution. So I'll have to really do research on that particular play thing where you're saying that Prabhupada said, no, don't just chant and don't, you know, help anybody who's in famine. Unless obviously there is nothing else that can be done. Nobody has food, let's say. Then obviously we should chant and at least, you know, perfect our life that way. But as much as possible, obviously, it is said that we must try to keep the body and soul together so that if the body is there, then we'll be able to render devotional service. Not that, you know, we, we subject our body to so much austerities and don't look after our body and we neglect our bodily needs because then ultimately it will not help us remember Krishna. Actually, I think Prabhupada was correct in one, one aspect that if you align to Krishna, maybe a lot of layers would be falling and then you don't need to consume too much food and that may create some scarcity of food there. So that could be one aspect that he wanted to say. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions or corrections? Hello. Sir. Yeah, I have a question. There is a widespread misunderstanding that our Sanatan Dharma, our Hindu Dharma, is based on Sadguru or Guru. We all should have a Guru. And through Guru only we can go for salvation or self-realization and so on. But where can we find Sadguru? Because nowadays scarcity of Sadguru is so wide. So is there any suggestion from you how to get a Sadguru? Very nice question, Prabhuji. So yes, it is very important. Sanatar Dharma, Dharma stresses that in Nectar of Devotion also it is written that the first step towards Krishna is Guru Padashtray. We should all take shelter of a bona fide spiritual master. And you're right, the word bona fide is very important because it is very difficult to find genuine spiritual masters or genuine gurus in Kaliuga. Um, there are so many fake gurus, there are so many gurus who are there to um, take, take people away, innocent, cheat innocent people and take them down, you know, to hell. So there are four bona fide Vaishnava Sampradayas. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. And uh, these four bona fide Vaishnava Sampradayas are Kumar Sampradaya, Lakshmi Sampradaya, Shri Sampradaya, Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, under which umbrella ISKCON comes. Like ISKCON is just an, um, an, a college or an institution within that particular university. Um, and then we have the Rudra Sampradaya, which comes from Lord Shiva. So there are these four bona fide Vaishnava Sampradayas and anybody, any guru who is linked through any of these four Sampradayas to Lord Krishna, that is actually a genuine and he is following the orders of spiritual master of his of the Guru Parampara, he is following Guru Sadhu Shastra, then he is a genuine spiritual master. So Prabhupada many times explains in, in, explains in his purport that that is the filter one should apply. That whether that Guru is connected to one of the bona fide Sampradayas and whether he is following the instructions of Guru Sadhu and Shastra. So that is what helps us and that is what you know we have also done because ISKCON comes under Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya which is a bona fide uh, Vaishnav Sampradaya and then we have, we take, we take, we aspire, we take shelter and initiation from a guru within this institution. And there is also another point that if you cannot find a guru, we can make our Atma as the guru and we can start. So not our Atma as the Guru, obviously we have Atma and we have Paramatma inside us. So Paramatma is, you know, Paramatma. Krishna yeah, who is sorry, there. Yeah. We can make Paramatma as our Guru. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So Paramatma, yeah. is, Paramatma is always there inside, guiding us. He is like that, you know, there, there are, it said, the analogy is given of two birds sitting on a tree. 
So one is the bird which is the soul who is actually doing all the karma, eating the fruits of the tree and you know acting on his desires and all that. And the second bird is just watching him. He's, he's sanctioning the activities and he's just a silent observer and that is the Paramatma. But as soon as the Paramatma sees that the bird, the soul is expressing a desire of spiritual realization, the Paramatma becomes the Chaitya Guru. Chaitya Guru means he guides from within, but he ultimately the Paramatma takes one to an external spiritual master. So yes, although you know, we give, our Paramatma becomes our Guru and he is the Chaitya Guru, we should still take his guidance and go to an external, a living external spiritual master to then take initiation. That's very important because sometimes people will say, Oh, Mera Paramatma hi Mera Guru hai. And then you don't know whether your Paramatma is speaking or it's your contaminated consciousness which is telling you to do certain things. So therefore, following that, we should actually then go and surrender to an external living spiritual master. Yeah. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Uh, just in terms of um, you were mentioning, um, you, Pallad Maharaj was saying that if you, even if you keep money secure or if you leave it in the street, it's by providence whether you have it or not. Yamraj, Yamraj is telling uh, Yamraj, sorry. And um, so we get given opulence from the Lord um, to use in His service, but the opulence we may be afraid that it can bewilder us, so we are quite neglectful in protecting it. So many people who are of lower nature may, if we have an opulence of fame or beauty or money especially then they want to steal it from us and due to our false sense of detachment we don't protect it for Krishna's service so how do we remind ourselves that this is a gift from Krishna and it's actually in my care um, I was wondering if you could talk along those lines yeah I think you already know the answer, but I'll just share my realization. So I think that's a very important last point you said, that it's in my care. So once we have developed that consciousness that this actually everything belongs to the Guru and to Krishna, and I am just the caretaker of this, then automatically if we remind, keep reminding ourselves about that, then we will become, we will become better, uh, we will not be so neglectful of looking after whatever you know, opulence Krishna has sent our way. And if, you know, the other thing which can remind us how to look after this is reading Prabhupada's life story in this particular, like examples from Prabhupada's life story about this. So Prabhupada was so protective of, we know, like, you know, when the New York building was sold by his disciples, by, you know, because the disciples were very naive, very innocent at that time. They were not very worldly. So there were many cheaters who were trying to cheat them. Like you said, people are trying to take things away from you and the devotees were a bit neglectful at that time. But we see Prabhupada's instructions. He says that this is all, you are doing it on behalf of Krishna. So your first duty is to protect whatever has come your way. And even in case of Juhu, we see that land they had acquired, you know, from uh, Mr. Nair and Prabhupada, was, he fought such a long battle. There's a whole book which Giriraj Maharaj has written on that particular story. So we see Prabhupada was always very, very diligent and very, very careful about how to spend Krishna's money, how not to waste any resources, how to, um, how to protect and guard whatever Krishna has already given against cheaters. So Prabhupada, even when Vrindavan temple was being built, Surabhi Maharaj used to go and complain to Prabhupada because cement and all was very scarce in the 1970s. And Prabhupada was very careful. He was saying you should guard because sometimes the workers would make them 
you know, uh, Ullu we say in Hindi. They would cheat them and they would take some of the cement away and all. In that time, Prabhupada said, no, you have to guard all this very carefully. This is also devotional service. In fact, once he had complained that I'm not able to focus on my chanting, I'm all the time thinking about material, where to procure material for, from, for building the temple and how to safeguard everything. And Prabhupada said, that is your devotional service. He said, Arjuna was fighting. Do you think he was sitting and chanting? That was his devotional service to Krishna, to stand on the battlefield and fight. And your devotional service is this. So Prabhupada was very, very emphatic about devotees protecting whatever has Krishna has given. We ourselves not misusing it and not allowing others to cheat us, definitely. Because if we, they cheat us and they take that money away from us, they are not going to use it in Krishna's service as much as we will be able to use the money in Krishna's service. So as a duty and as a matter of purifying that Lakshmi also, it is good that it's utilized in Krishna's service rather than falling in long hands. So I feel reading Prabhupada's pastimes also reminds us how to be careful. You said, are these comes under uh, Krishna only or uh, yeah. is linked to Krishna? They are coming from Krishna. Krishna so only, all four sampradayas. All four sampradayas. So, Lord Shiva, which is Rudra Sampradaya, the four Kumaras who are instructed by Ananta Sesh. There is a beautiful pastime, I think, in the third canto of Bhagavatam, where mm. they get directly instructions from Ananta Sesh. Then we have Lakshmi Devi, who is, you know, uh, consort of Lord Vishnu, and then we have Lord Brahma. We know how he got instructed. Again, it's described how he, the instructions were given in his heart by Krishna. So, all four Sampradayas are directly coming from Krishna. And they're all uh, comes under Parampara, like... Yes, if the parampara has been maintained within those sampradayas, they are bona fide. They yes. have been maintained, right? Wow. If it has been. Now, if somebody has, if there is somebody who took initiation but is not following, that is why I was telling that Prabhuji, that if somebody has taken initiation but has deviated and not following the instructions and not adhering to the Guru Parampara, then, then that, that's a link which is broken. But mm. if they are adhering, then yes, definitely you, it will link us back to Krishna through the sampradaya. Thank you, Mati. We'll end the class here, it's time up. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Srila Prabhupada ki. Jai.